Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we try to promise in our delivery is that it will be a conversation that will be less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. I always feel like that's a little bit of an insult to our guests, but that's not what it's meant to be. I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us, and we hope that you will listen and sleep. Follow us at Listen and Sleep on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me today is Joel Cochran. Thank you for being a part of the Insomnia Project. Thank you for having me, Marco. Um, a new friend, a new acquaintance. Yes, sir. Uh, someone with a, such a delightful voice. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's perfect for this podcast. You know, it's interesting. We have our listeners. They have some of our favorite guests, and they just keep asking. So my father-in-law is one of the guests that our listeners just say, we want to hear more from Dan. We want to hear more from Dan. Right. He lives in Florida. <laughs> if they want to hear more from you, I'll have to go to Calgary. You're going to have to come west. Yeah. Uh, well, thank or you. Or I'll come here. Yeah, even better. Perfect. Uh, you know, this will be the reason you have to come. Or we both go to Florida. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Much nicer. I'm actually going to Florida in, uh, at the end of the month. Okay. See, Tampa, perfect so. then. Okay. There you go. More Dan. So... Joel, we were talking just before, as I was setting up the microphones, and you say you said that you enjoyed playing golf. You were, I do. You were an avid golfer. Yes, avid golfer. Yeah, I don't know what I'm even saying. I, think I'm, I shouldn't be drinking this coffee, but um, and I know nothing about golf. The interesting thing is, I used to work at a golf golf club when I was young in the bar. Uh, okay, I was in their restaurant. Yeah, tell me about golf. Where to begin? Mm -hmm. um, what, let's begin with what attracted you to golf? Initially, mm -hmm. uh, I took up golf because in my early business career, a lot of the folks that we were doing business with were golfers. And it was kind of an excuse to go out and hang out together. You're going to spend anywhere from two to four hours with somebody on the golf course, hang out with them afterwards in the bar. Right. Right where many of the servers obviously don't golf. Mm -hmm. So um, that was part of the reason. And I got hooked. Golf is the kind of game where even as a novice person, mm -hmm. you may shoot wildly over par and be a terrible golfer, but you can make one shot that's the equal or as good as any shot a pro can make. Really? Yeah. So that's, I think, the 
the blessing and the curse. Okay. It's the thing that tricks you and sucks you in because you go, that one shot was incredible. The other 35 I took on that hole were terrible. But you think you can replicate it. So your entire life is spent trying to replicate that great moment, that, that dopamine moment of the one great shot. You're, cha you're chasing that golf dragon, if you will. You are completely chasing the golf dragon. And see... If you have one particular club that you're pretty good with or you make a okay. couple of good shots with, then what you're looking for is to do it with the next club or a different club. So if you're pretty good with a 7-iron, which is typically for shots of about 160, 150 yards, mm -hmm. um, then you want to be good with the driver, much tougher club to master. And then you want to be good with the wedge, the short, the short game club. So... Uh, it's the devil's playground, man, because you're just chasing and chasing and chasing and trying always to be good and or better. Joel, let me ask you, what's your favorite club? Oh, wow. Um, seven iron. Why is that? Easy to hit. Okay. And I'm pretty good from about 160 in. Okay. I've got pretty good accuracy now. When you say 100, that's 160 yards, yards away from the away hole. from the hole. Yeah, from the pin. Is it difficult for a Canadian to play golf because you deal in yards? Ah, no, because the game is all measured in yards. And so even on a golf course, it's sure. not measured uh, under the metric system. Right. Thankfully. So it's easier. It's easier. It's just worldwide. It's all okay. uh, It's all done yards. It's the unit of measurement. For it the, is the for unit the... of measurement. Now, you called it a game and not yeah. a sport. Yeah. I'm just curious about that. How do you see it? Do you see it as a game? Do you see it as a sport? Well, I play it as a game okay. to relax and hang out with my friends mm -hmm. and to feel you really are playing golf against yourself unless you're betting on a game or you're sure. going to go and play against somebody and you want to compete. That's fine. One of the things that I think Tiger Woods did was he did turn it into a sport. I see. Pre-Tiger Woods, most of the golfers would be, some guys were quite fit, some guys were kind of in shape and a lot of guys were in whatever shape sure they were just really good golfers after tiger woods you do not find many people on the course these days that are not spending hours in the gym and are not ripped up okay looking great with an extraordinary swing um that's been coached and sliced and diced slice is a bad word in golf okay. but that has been coached and coached and analyzed and figured out sure. to make it uh, the ultimate perfect swing. Do swings have names or not? Like I'm because I know the clubs have names. Right. I'm just wondering, do do, do swings have now, names? Because so. I don't watch golf, so I feel like if right. I watch golf, they'll be like, "Oh, look at Tiger doing his." Yeah. No, they don't. Swing. They do okay. not necessarily okay. have that, but there is. Um, there's various things you can do wrong. That was an in and out swing. Sure. He took okay. it out to in, Jim. That's why the bow went the way it did. Uh, things like that, okay. right? Um, and there's one golfer by the name of Jim Furyk who they say his swing is a swing that only a mother could love. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's the most bizarre swing. Swirly, twirly. Okay. Kind of, he's a brilliant golfer. but So that's the thing. But swings generally don't have a name. What's your swing like? I like to think of it as slow and smooth. Okay. It's not. 
It's not, but that's But I you, like to think of it because sure. you have to think and visualize, Marco. Oh, yeah. This is the trick. Yeah. And you have to follow through on the swing, right? Always, yeah. The trick with following through, all mm-hmm. that means is don't stop. All that means is don't stop your swing as your club head is coming okay. towards the ball. It's very easy to do. Oh, I see. It means just hit the ball. Mm. So follow through just means make a complete swing. It's amazing how easy it is to slow down your swing right. and go, oh, oops. And then you dink the ball off or you oh, do something goodness. stupid with it. Yeah. So that can happen. When you're looking for a course to play on, right? what do you look for? What is something that you enjoy in or at a course? Right. Uh, I have a course that I play at in Calgary. Okay. Mm-hmm. and it's We have a-, a lot of listeners in Calgary. We have a lot of great supportive listeners. I just want to. I just want to mention that uh, great place. If you haven't visited Calgary, I recommend it to our listeners. It and is if the you're best. from there, we're just going to send a shout out. Anyway, so you were hey, talking about I, my course is a Lynx course. Okay, so that means it's pretty naturally grown, mm-hmm. uh, rolling hills, undulating greens. That's such a great word, undulating. Of course, and lots of deep sand traps, which are hard to get out of once you get in them. We so, almost called this podcast the Undulating Project. Really? No, but it would have been a great name. That's perfect. Sorry, I cut you off right in the middle of it. That's okay, interviews. you know. Okay, back to the Undulating Podcast. <laughs> no, the um, so when I look for a course to play at, mm-hmm. um, being in Calgary, I often go to the mountains, and there's a number of uh, public courses that you can play on there. Kananaskis. When you say you go to the mountains, for our listeners who aren't from Calgary, what exactly oh, does that mean? Yeah. It's an hour from Calgary. Okay. You're almost in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. Oh, wow. And so it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Great vistas. Flanked by mountains on all four sides. Flanked by mountains on oh. all four sides. Oh. And uh, in the floods of 2013, I mm-hmm. believe, the Kananaskis golf courses were ravaged, if not decimated Ooh. and closed. And they are, I believe, just opening up oh, again great. this year. Yeah. So those are perhaps the best mm-hmm. public courses that anybody can go to and play. I don't want to say they're the easiest because sure. they are not easy, right. but they're probably the easiest to get on and the most cost effective. Okay. There are some other courses that are pretty expensive to go to. and I, mm. I love this idea of being flanked by mountains because when yeah. I think of golf courses, I think of palm trees swaying mm-hmm. in the background. I think of like uh, large large areas of water that have flamingos or interesting sort of southern animals. But I don't right. think of northern uh, golf courses. Yeah. And they must have a spectacular beauty in in and of themselves. They do. I've played mm-hmm. in courses exactly like you've described, both in California and in Arizona and in the Carolinas uh, on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. They have a beauty all their own. Um, the mountain courses are spectacular uh, for just that very reason because you are flanked. Most of the time, the courses are in a valley of some kind. Right. So you've got mountains on the left or mountains on the right or mountains in front of you. And they design the holes so that all the time you, you, you have an extraordinary vista. Wow. They trick them up as well because sometimes you'll go up a mountain mm-hmm. and hit down into a valley, and, wow. which is really spectacular. That's, that's really yeah, fun. I don't think of that when I think of golf courses. Yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty special, I think. It's pretty cool. It's mm-hmm. pretty neat. And that's something unique, I think, to any mountainous course, but it's certainly unique to the great courses around Calgary. 
um, or up in Banff or Jasper sure. or Kananaskis, uh, you know, wherever you want to go. There. These are all beautiful locations in Alberta. Exactly. For our listeners. Yes. Uh, check those places out for sure. Yeah. Come visit. Yeah. Is what I like to say. I feel yeah. like I'm... I'm the tour, tourism guide of Alberta, but we know we have such wonderful listeners from there, and I've been to Alberta. I haven't been all over, but yeah. every time I go, I fall more in love with it. Yeah. I really do. And now, someone who's not a golfer, after you talking about these golf courses, I kind of want to see them. Well, on the tourist thing, yeah. I mean, the beauty of it, too, is, sure. of course, in all those locations, mm-hmm. there's great hiking, there's great biking, there's great everything, great hotels, great places to stay, great right. restaurants and that. But if you specifically golf, they're, they're absolutely destination courses that you should go to. Okay. Oh, yeah. What would be your top three destination golf courses that you haven't been anywhere in the world? Ooh, okay, that I have not yeah. been to. That you're to. like, I want bucket list or okay, I want to go there. Bucket list yeah. to play. Um, number one uh, is going to be St. Andrews in Scotland, okay. which is pretty traditional. I have walked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who remembers the film Chariots of Fire and the opening sequence on the beach, mm-hmm. that's the beach at St. Andrews. The golf course is immediately to the right um, as you're looking at the guys running up the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've written down a name of a golf course and I'm covering it with my hand. Okay. Give I'm, it to me. I'm not, no, I'm not doing a psychic connection, but I want to see if you're going to name this golf course okay. that I've checked out. All right. So let's I, see. I would, I don't know about Pebble Beach. Okay. Uh, it's on TV. It's pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. I've been there um, in the, when it's not on television, when it's not prepared for TV. Sure. And when you see it on TV, it's quite amazing because right. the fairways are green. Uh, the, the greens are, of course, green. It's mm-hmm. lush. It's gorgeous. And when sure. you go any other time, it's quite brown. Oh. Because it's while it's coastal, yes, it's northern California right. and it's in a, a deserty kind of place, mm-hmm. and so they don't waste a lot of energy and effort keeping it perfectly green for the regular members and mm-hmm. all that. A, a hard course to get onto. Uh, I'm Is not that sure. on your list? Uh, let's put it on as a maybe. As a maybe, okay. yeah. And I would probably want to go to uh, Carnoustie, okay. which is another one. All of these are going to be uh, um, British Open courses, okay? Because that's the cradle of golf, of course. Uh, is there because it's a Scottish game? Right? It's a, it, ultimately, yeah. I think it is a Scottish okay. game. Yeah, and uh, Carnoustie would be incredible to play at. And yeah, sure, let's say that's Pebble in the UK. Beach. That's yeah. in the UK. Right. Let's, I, let's give the Americans a shout out. I wrote down Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach. Because right, I've been there too. Okay, and, and? and I've been to Pebble Beach. Yeah, and I was. Ex- it was a beautiful drive. Like it's that winding oh, it's drive. It's spectacular, isn't it? That, that's so, worth it just, just to there. do that. Yeah. But then when I saw the course, I enjoyed everything more than the actual course. What no. I saw, I enjoyed the clubhouse. I enjoyed yeah. the drive. I enjoyed that sort of what you see when you get in there. Yeah. But past that, it wasn't. And I'm not a golfer, and I'm not trying to you know diminish the importance or the beauty of Pebble Beach. Yeah. But what, from what I saw, the drive there was worth it. And the course itself, I wouldn't know. Uh, the thing with the course, mm-hmm. uh, it's a coastal course. Right. And so um, like a Lynx course or like the mountain courses, mm-hmm. the more they make the course look like it's carved, not carved out of nature, but just almost organically has grown out of nature. They haven't adjusted things too much the better it is. 
And that's one of the beauties of Pebble Beach. It's pretty spectacular. So you do have a lot of coastal views. Um, you've got a lot of gorges. You've got a lot of areas where if you miss hit it, the ball is in the water. And by the water, I mean the ocean. Right. It's you're gone. Not, you're not seeing that. You're not seeing that baby again. It's gone. Oh, yeah. What's your preferred tea time? For both tea that you drink and tea on the golf course. Ah, okay. For tea that I drink, uh, two tea times. One can be in the afternoon okay. at around 5 o'clock. It's okay. very British. The other can be around 10.30 or 11 o'clock late at night. Nice chamomile helps you sleep, okay. settles your stomach, all those kinds of things. The 5 p.m. tea, would that be a black tea or a British uh, Oh, tea yeah. Then you'd have tea? some caffeine. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, great. You know? Uh, for tea times, my preferred time is 8.30 to 9 o'clock in the morning. Okay. I like to play early in the day. Mm-hmm. That's my not favorite. even that early, though, for golf, is it? No. I mean, when the sun rises, the course is open. Mm-hmm. And there are some folks that love the 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. tea time. The, not so much for me. The golf course I worked at was called the Board of Trade, and it was around the corner from my house. Yeah. And in the winter, if they got a light dusting of snow... They just kind of like brushed it aside and people played on. Oh, yeah. Have you played when there's been snow on the ground? Heck, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, it depends. In Alberta, they're Mm -hmm. pretty careful about the time of year when they close the course down because they don't want the greens to get frozen. They need to prepare them for the wintertime. But that being said, there's loads of times you're out there playing and all of a sudden a storm will blow in either springtime or fall. Right. And it's snowing, and it's like, yeah, sure, you play. Now, typically, Mm -hmm. you should bring an orange or a yellow ball just so that you can find it if you're going to actually play with a real dusting of snow. Okay. You know, but I've done that. Wow. It's challenging, I have to admit. Really? It's cold. Your hands get cold, man. Sure. It's tough to grip the club, so. Sure. Yeah. Describe to me what happens as you go through the different holes of golf. Like, do you start to get tired around the 12th hole, or are you like... You see the end and you're more energetic and more the seventh hole becomes the, the hole that you find difficult. And I have no idea if this is even a relevant question. It's just something that's come to my mind. Right. Okay. Uh, for me, no. I'm pretty good throughout the entire 18. Okay. And um, what will often happen, though, is you have if you play the same course all the time, mm-hmm. you have holes that you're just utterly confident on. Okay. And there's holes. It doesn't matter how I'm playing. Generally speaking, I always hit well. Then there's holes that are my challenge holes where it's like you tell yourself, must make the shot. Sure. Don't think of. And, of course, sometimes you'll do well and sometimes not so well. What would be a challenging hole for you? Well, um, do you mean do you want the whole number? No. Well, you can. Sure. (laughs) Of course. I'd love to know. I'm going to guess. Let me write down. Let me write down a number. Put a number. All right. I'll give it to you. Number six. Okay. On the front nine okay. of the Lynx course. I wrote 11, just so everyone knows. Okay. Oh, 11's tough, too. Is it? Okay. Oh, 11's the hardest hole on the course, <laughs> okay, man. Good you. thinking. <laughs> but why is six your challenge? Because of the uh, because it's not long, mm. and I'm a pretty decent driver. Okay. I'm not a great driver, but I'm pretty good. And You're no mini driver. Let me I'm just no say mini that. driver. Okay, fair enough. But few people are. Exactly. Right. Um, the landing area for my shots is um, there's a sand trap that's about 240, 250 yards out, and that's right about where my drives usually touch earth. Okay. So that makes it hard, and it's a narrow, narrow fairway. 
So that one in my mind is always, uh, okay. I don't know what to do. Right. And I always take out the driver and try to tin cup it. You know, I try to smash it out there and sometimes I'm successful. Sometimes you're not. not. I have no exactly. idea what that means. Sometimes uh-huh. I'll be talking to the guests and they'll say a concept or something that uh, I have no idea. And I just. The movie, Tin Cup, Kevin Costner. Yes. Right. Without giving away the ending, mm-hmm. he has a moment where he needs to hit a long shot. He messes up. He drops another ball and he keeps hitting it and oh. hitting it and hitting it. And anyway, it's a, it's a metaphor for his life. And, I see. Okay. You know, never give up, but never succeed. Anyway. Right. So interesting. Yeah. If you were to give a few sort of directional moments of advice to a new golfer, right? What would those What would those pieces of advice be? Never get discouraged. Okay. Practice. Mm-hmm. Take lessons. Take lessons. Take so lessons. So with a golf pro. Yes, but don't be afraid to walk away from the golf pro. Not in the middle of the lesson. Sure. But find somebody that's good for you personally that can actually teach you and speaks to you and then enjoy the game. And if you don't enjoy it, Mm -hmm. don't play it. There you go. It's such a frustrating game if it's not fun and you want to have successes. So you want to be able to make good shots. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just be out there hacking and slashing. Sure. That's no good. Okay. So, well, that's wonderful advice. Thank you for talking about golf with me, Joel. (laughs) My pleasure. Before we end this podcast, I want to talk about your theater. Sure. Um, tell me about it. And, and first and foremost, where can our listeners go to check out what's going on with your theater? In my theater company is Hit and Myth in Calgary, Alberta. And that's Myth, M-Y-T. M-Y-T-H. Yes, Hit and Myth. Great. Okay. And it can be found, um, I have a Facebook page Great. and I have a website coming out very very quickly and we'll put that in our show notes so don't yep. worry about that they can okay. look on our show notes for that good enough then and that's basically the best place to check it out right. uh, we do a variety of types of theater we do a thing called commercial alternativism oh which is uh stuff that's a little darker a little more alternative but that's also designed for a wide range of audience what do you mean when you say alternative because, you know, that, that word is bounced around so yeah. much that it becomes like, it could be scary for some people. Like, is it going to be a person in a dark room just bouncing a fluorescent ball for, you know, 30, 60 minutes? No, oh, okay. generally not. But that's a great idea, okay. which I'm going to use that Fair for enough. one of our next shows. Thank you very much. You're no, that's not the kind of stuff that we will do. We okay. will do shows that have a beginning, middle, and end. Great. And might border a little bit on the surreal, but generally they'll be highly entertaining. Okay, so yeah. apart from that, what else do you do? Uh, we work with Shakespeare Company. Oh, wonderful. And so we also do uh, a number of productions of Shakespeare a year. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and we try and keep that down to a one hour, one hour, like one hour for act one, one hour for act two, mm-hmm. uh, lean and mean Shakespeare. Oh, great. Yeah. So It sounds more accessible when you, when you position it like that for yeah. people who might not, you know, be, you know, there's people who... I don't want to say fear Shakespeare, but avoid it because they feel like they're not going to understand it or it's going to be long yeah. and whatnot. And I I personally feel as an actor, it's important to make that accessible for all audiences, not just people who appreciate Shakespeare. Yeah, I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Shakespeare himself, their shows, the, the shows that the, the, the Kingsmen that they put on at the Globe mm-hmm. and the other theaters they worked at would have been put on for people who couldn't read. 
right. people who are essentially illiterate, mm-hmm. and they had to be entertaining and fun and interesting. And so if a Shakespeare show that you're watching is none of that, then the performers are not necessarily doing it justice or doing it as well as they could. So our goal is always to make it interesting, make it entertaining, sure. make it clear, clear as can be, and just make it good, you know. So so great. I like yeah. that as, as just a company theme. Make it good. Make it good, yeah. yeah. So you've got alternative, Shakespeare. Yeah. Anything else that we haven't covered? Uh, I think those are the two big ones. Mm-hmm. We did produce a lot of musicals in sort of the first three or four years okay. that we were creating work and producing work. That's a little trickier nowadays, sure. though. Yeah. So, uh, so not so much with the musicals anymore. Okay. But that's um, not to say that they won't maybe make an appearance. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love musicals. I think they're great. Have you played your favorite role in a musical yet? No. What would that role be? Oh, man. If I had to play, uh, probably Jean Valjean. Okay. But I'm too old at this point. I don't think so. I don't know, you know, and I'm not sure I've got you, the voice for it anymore. You could call it the Les Miserables Long in the Tooth production. Yeah. And then just have everyone who's, you know, not quite the right age for the part. That would be perfect. I don't think you're too old for Jean Valjean. No, I think, I, I think that's a great but the, idea. But the long, the two version. <laughs> I can't sing. I cannot sing. And at full disclosure. But if I was to play a part in a musical, yeah. it would be... And the one part that I would, would love to play is Captain Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the role. There's a couple of roles that I'm like, I want to play that. And that's one of the roles. He only has one song. I know. He? That's the great. He just sings eight, yeah, eight yeah, bites. That's, that's just yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think I'd be able to su- successfully pull that off. Yeah, okay. What about in Shakespeare? Have you played the role that you would love to play? Ooh, uh, no, not yet. What no, is that role? Oh, gosh. Uh, maybe Prospero in The Tempest. That would be great. fun. Um, all the young guy roles. I may be too old for that mm-hmm. unless we do the long in the tooth Sh- version, Sh- which Shakespeare. would be. I'd be happy to be on stage with. Would you, you come out? Yeah, would, would you come to Calgary? Yeah, and, and we do like do a, like do play sure. Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Like the you would have to call it the really long in the tooth version. The the role that I would really love to play is Iago. Mm. That's mm-hmm. my the role that I yeah I want to play. So you've never had a kick at that? No, I I'm not a Shakespearean uh, yeah. trained actor. Yeah. So I love Shakespeare, but yeah. it's just not it's it would be something for me to tackle. Yeah. And I would need to prep for it, and I don't think I could just do it. Okay. Well, like, maybe we'll remount it in three years. So great. Get working. Is <laughs> get busy. Then then you'll really have to call it the long of the tooth version if you do it in three years. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is there a playwright that you're really excited about? Or is there a playwright that you're really like into these days? Because um, I'll tell you, I mean, I'll give you a moment to think sure. about it because it's not a fair question to, to, to ask just off the cuff like that. But I was fortunate enough to do a, a David Lindsay Bear mm-hmm. uh, play. And on paper, I don't think I would... Be, be drawn to his work yeah. and then when I recited it on stage it's written so wonderfully yeah. Yeah, that you just can't help but fall in love with his work right and so he's my favorite contemporary playwright right. of, of the moment right we have done a lot of Martin McDonough okay. who's now moved more into movies and films uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing Missouri was his big one this last year uh, but he's predominantly a playwright and so we did a, a, a number of his 
uh, of his pieces, which I love. I mean, he's, um, yeah, he's pretty great. He's pretty shocking and pretty funny and um, pretty ribald and pretty entertaining. So he would be the one. Um, yeah, if I had one playwright that I love more than others, it's probably Mark McDonough. Well, speaking of entertaining, it's been a really entertaining episode with you, Joel. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. A real pleasure. As always, The Insomnia Project is produced by Drumcast Productions. We want to say a special shout-out to our listeners from Calgary. Today's episode is produced in Toronto, Canada. And I want to mention, if you haven't had the opportunity, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Project. Just look at our show notes. You can also see... Uh, the details of Joel's theater company, Hit and Myth, on our show notes as well. Perfect.